You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Do you ever feel like you're a bit out of alignment with who you truly are or maybe who you want to be? If so, you are going to love today's chat with my new friend, Marin. Marin is a coach, speaker, and soon-to-be author who figured out what she really wanted in life after leaving her positive psychology PhD program to pursue her dreams. She drops so many practicals for us today, from figuring out if you're more action-oriented or intention-oriented, to knowing how to actually listen to your fears, to setting more effective boundaries in life, whether that's with other people or just with ourselves. So stay tuned through this episode, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to, and welcome Marin. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you're here. Welcome to Thrive. This is super cool because everything you do and everything that you help women do is really in alignment with thriving, (laughs) like stepping beyond what we think we should do to really uncover what we could do, which I think is so cool. So I know you were the only positive psychology PhD in your program or program in the country. Um, and now you're a coach and a speaker and you're going to be an author, which is totally awesome. I'm really stoked for this conversation, but fill in the blanks for us. Tell us who you are, what you do, what you're all about. Yes. Well, I love that you used the word alignment in that introduction, um, because that's kind of the whole crux of everything. It's helping, especially professional women align with what their true authentic self is. So whether that's time management or financial alignment or career path or relationships, it's all about helping. And especially for women uncover the voice that we are really taught to kind of suppress and not listen to because there are smarter ways or, um, you know, whatever the societal influence or the external influence or us just wanting to people please and to put others needs above our own which is a wonderful trait to have um, and can really suppress that inner voice that that we do have as well and so my work is to help women uncover that voice I have a membership program I have that book coming out in July very excited about um, and I'm a speaker so I host a lot of workshops um, and a lot of just encouraging talks you can find previews of those on YouTube of, of really getting that voice out there and uncovering the truth that's within us that's awesome. So I want to talk about this more and break it down in case, because I feel like there's a lot of talk about this out there and might it might leave women being like, okay, but like, what does that mean? Like, all right, getting into alignment with who I meant to be or uh, who I want to be, it sounds so awesome, but how do I even know who she is or how do I even know where that disconnect might be? Let's, can we break this down? Because I know you're obviously so big on alignment, kind of like across the board in life, whether that's in your relationships or with your finances or with your mindset. So I will dive deeper into some of those in a bit, but kind of in a more general sense, can you walk us through discerning that and how someone might come to be like, all right, uh, here's where, here's where I want to be. Here's where I am. How do I get from here to there? How do I even know if I'm not on the right road from here to there, like break it down for us. Yes. Yeah. What does this mean? (laughs) What is the inner (laughs) voice? 
Um, and I agree there's, there's a lot of, um, especially as the coaching field grows, there's a lot of talk about authenticity and that's become a buzzword and hear your own voice and listen to you and, you know, put you above all else is, is this conversation piece that I actually think there's a big, really important part of the conversation that gets missed if we stay at that level of the conversation. So I appreciate you asking that question. And so, um, for me, so I have rewind a second. I went to that PhD program in positive psychology, specifically positive developmental psychology, um, and ended up leaving with my master's, which is actually one of the first big moments in my life where I listened to my own voice and where I aligned with really what my desires and goals and interests and skill sets were. Um, and so with, with positive psychology, we have the research underpinning of what qualifies a good life. Really, what are the elements here um, that help to constitute and make up a life of thriving? And so one of those elements is having the autonomy and the self-awareness of what is best for us. And so to ask the, the big question that you're getting at of what is this voice and what does it mean to align with it? It's my first instinct is like, well, it's gonna, that's always going to shift. And it's always, uh, it's not something even necessarily to pinpoint. It's rather how I see it. It's a practice and it is a process and it is a continuous experiment really to say, okay, what do I want in this moment? And we can start like the, the easiest starting point is just to listen to in this moment, wherever you are, what is it that you want? Do you want to turn off this podcast and listen to someone who's trying to start a conversation with you? Do you want to write down a note? Do you want to take a sip of water? Do you want to stand up from your desk and take a break um, or pull up a YouTube video that you saw the other day that's just on the back of your mind? So it's listening to these really small instincts within us of like, okay, this, this is what I'm wanting to do. And rather than suppress it, um, to give space for it. And of course, there's a time and place for certain things. And so we can't always just jump to whatever we want to do in that moment, but give yourself permission to say, hey, this is important. I'm hearing this within me. I'm, I'm like feeling this instinct. I'm going to align with it, with my actions or with what I say or what I'm doing um, with my life. And again, it can start really small. And the more we foster those small moments of alignment, the more we will answer that question for ourselves: of, okay, this is what my voice sounds like. And this is what it feels like when I'm in alignment versus out of alignment with that. Super interesting. So my first question hearing all of that is, how do you also simultaneously develop discernment in that process? And you kind of, I'm glad you kind of hinted at that in, in what you just said, but where you're not just going with your gut instinct or your primal instinct for something like when there are other maybe bigger or maybe more long-term sorts of things on the horizon that you're working towards like my first thought is like all right you're you're on a workout journey or like a fitness journey and your gut instinct or like your inner voice is going you can't do this or i would really rather pick up a brownie and sit my butt on the couch right now rather than do this so in what, how do you simultaneously develop discernment of what my inner voice is and using it for the good things that you're trying to use it for to kind of deepen your understanding of yourself versus when you're trying to be like, all right, self, like quiet down a little bit now. I, my sense of logic or my, my bigger picture has something to say here. <laughs> so like pipe down and, and listen instead of, instead of talk. 
Yes. Those brownie thoughts are very human thoughts to have. (laughs) And so one of my favorite, favorite things to do with clients when we're on a one-on-one basis is when this really happens in its fullest form is what I call um, caricature development. And so it's creating, and this feels a little out there at first, but it is so helpful to reduce the scattered feeling that sometimes we have in our head when there's so many different thoughts and feelings and goals going on at the same time simultaneously. So we create little caricatures, essentially little personalities of all these different voices. And what that does is it helps, for instance, if there's a part of you that's saying, I really just want to like sit down and have a brownie. Maybe that is your quote character that wants to take care of yourself in this leisurely way that wants to take a break. That's been working really hard all day and just needs some, needs some compassion. And so that's a part of you, then there might be another voice that's saying, and I'm on this fitness journey and I'm so excited because I want to feel good. I want to take care of my kids. I want to be around for my great grandkids or whatever that goal is. And that's a different character. And so when we separate those pieces of ourselves out, it helps again to unscatter and to clarify, okay, there's like five voices speaking right now. Let me separate those, gain clarity on which one I want to listen to in this moment. And also not to dismiss, for instance, the brownie voice. It's not to dismiss that voice or label it as bad or wrong. It's to say, oh, there's a part of me that really wants to be kind to myself as well. How can I be kind to myself without dismissing these other important voices that I've intentionally am intentionally fostering as well? Super cool. So can you give us some questions that listeners can kind of walk through too? in figuring out their strengths also. So, or maybe one of their biggest strengths as they're going through this process of figuring out, all right, what is this voice inside me? It's like really such an awesome journey of self-discovery. So in that process, if they're like, all right, I'm hearing my voice a little bit more, I'm knowing a little bit more of what I want, what am I strongest at or best at? Or how can I kind of marry this with something that I can then use for the good of myself, my family, my friends, my community around me? What's the next step there? Yes. So a few things are coming to mind. One is I actually have a discover your strength quiz on my website. So we can maybe pin that for, for podcast listeners. Um, and that specifically differentiates whether we are action oriented or intention oriented as two strengths to highlight. And the importance of differentiating that is that I've seen in my clients that we tend to fall into one or two, um, one or the other of those categories. And if we don't recognize which of those is our strength, um, we might fail to find balance. And that's where burnout happens, or that's where we get really frustrated because our goals and our dreams aren't coming to life. So especially if we're intention oriented, we're constantly in that reflective mode. I nicknamed it the personal development junkie. We're reading all the how-to books. We're listening to all the podcasts and it's amazing. It's a strength. It is a strength. And if we don't purposefully incorporate action, then we might stay on that hamster wheel of personal development rather than implementing the things and making those bold actions um, that help create it as an actual reality rather than just a dream. And then on the contrary, um, less of my my clients are action-oriented, but I am action-oriented. Um, that's why we opposites attract. And so on the action-oriented side, if we're always implementing, that's when we get into that slippery slope of I'm following the rule book. I'm doing what I'm told. This is what my parents did. And that we feel off because what we actually want our intentions and reflections don't have a space in the conversation. And so it's to purposefully incorporate the intention side of things. So there's one answer. Take that quiz. It's nine questions. It's really fun. Um, Another thought though, is actually listening to listening to our fears is I think 
almost this shortcut to finding our strengths, which might feel a little bit different than what we've heard before. But in my experience with clients, the things that, and personally, the things that really evoke that strong sense of fear or worry, um, and that really almost stop us in our tracks from doing something that we want. So say finances come up time and time again, it's to actually bring that fear in a safe space. If you're comfortable to maybe enlist the support of someone else, whether that's a friend or a coach or, you know, just a space that feels supportive. Um, but to actually bring that fear to light and to say, okay, I am so scared of my financial situation. What is the story that's going on here? And oftentimes under those fears are our strengths, are the things that matter most to us, our top values. So it's maybe security or it's maybe connectedness to our community or generosity is actually the thing that's propelling it. And, um, and it's coming out in a fear, but actually when we're able to dig under to that base level, it, it's the thing that we value. And that's why we feel it so strongly. That is so cool. I've actually never heard anyone worded or presented that way. And that makes so much sense. So I'm really glad that you broke it down like that because oftentimes, I just feel like oftentimes you don't hear people say it like that, where it's like your strengths are actually somewhere in there underneath the fear, where it almost feels like it's it becomes a fear because it's like against a core piece of you or you feel a core value, a core piece of who you feel like you are, all of a sudden kind of feels like it's an opposition of something or being threatened. And that's where that yeah. sense of, oh no, this isn't good, <laughs> kind yeah. of comes up. So that is a really cool way to think about it. I think people will kind of go, whoa, that's <laughs> light bulb. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And oftentimes I, hear, I feel like we're told to suppress the fears or like just mm -hmm. grind through, just work through it. And there's so much value there. So even if you look at it for the first time or at like one little surface layer, you're bound to find some golden nuggets because we tend not to look at all. Oh, absolutely. One of my best friends and I were literally having this conversation not too long ago with regards to money because we were talking about our personal money mindsets and our money mindset struggles. And it all came back down to the stories we either told ourselves or the stories that our parents told themselves that we overheard growing up. And it all kind of came together and it was manifesting itself in terms of our own fears of money or our own weird relationships with our finances as adults now and when we were breaking it down we were like whoa baby this isn't this isn't actually a maybe a logical fear now this has this has roots from something else not not to diminish it and saying it wasn't a logical fear but basically to connect the dots between okay this actually is tied to something else and it's a deeper more complex thing that's worth unpacking not just going oh, it's, it's, it's just a fear, get over it, move on, you'll be fine. It's kind of to echo what you said and to reemphasize that it's important to really be willing to unpack it and sit with it and go like, all right, but like, why? Why do I feel the way that I do? Why is this fear coming up the way that it is? Because I think you're absolutely right. It could definitely be a deeper thing there for better or worse that's worth exploring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To echo Brene Brown says this, what is the story I'm telling myself? Yes. Um, or a question that I ask my clients a lot of the time is, is that true to say, is this fact? And oftentimes it's not, it's something that we've created. Um, so, and just not through a judgmental lens, but just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So when it comes to relationships, since I know we just mentioned two relationships with money, there's like relationships with everything in the world, obviously. We have relationships with other people. We also have relationships with ourselves. 
So do you have, I'm curious, a mindset practice or anything that you do personally? Um, Cause I'd love to hear what it involves and maybe just any tips or tricks uh, for aligning your current mindset with your best self and your potential and this kind of, you know, next better being that we're always striving to be while still acknowledging the enoughness that we are right now, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's a term in yoga philosophy called pranatva. I often refer to it because it, it summarizes it beautifully, which is just, we are, we are perfect and whole just as we are and continuously growing into more. Oh, love so, that. Yes. It's, I come back to it all the time. <laughs> and, and I think it's hard for us to wrap maybe I don't want to make that much of a blanket statement, but it can be challenging to wrap our mind against around that because it seems like it's opposing. It seems like, well, I can't be continuously evolving into more and be perfect as I am. Um, when in fact we can do that, right? When we think of even like a growing seed to, to bring it to something in nature, it's not that the seed is wrong or bad for being a seed when it's a seed or that it's like better once it's a full plant, it's all just different parts of the growth process and the developmental process. Same for us. Um, so I'm actually going to have you re reiterate that question because I feel like I just picked up on, on one last thing you said, but you were talking about relationships and how to align our future, that future ideal with our present. In terms yes. Of mindset. So basically connect like a, if you have a mindset practice practice that you do now that you like, just because I'm curious <laughs> and then basically um, any recommendations or tips for people in creating their own so that it kind of connects the dots and aligns, so to speak, with who they are today and who they might want to be tomorrow. Yes, great. So one of my favorite, I think the, the introduction to the mindset practice in this area was when I first did a future self meditation. And it was, it was a guided visualization meditation. So pretty easy entry point because it's, I don't have to really do anything and I'm being led along this whole journey. So it's not like I sit and breathe by myself and my thoughts for 20 minutes. Um, I actually re-recorded that my favorite to this date future self meditation on my YouTube channel. So that's free if anyone wants to listen. Um, and and to get a taste of that future self gets us out of our own head, at least in my experience and with clients from our current reality and just sees from that 10,000 foot view, but also with so much detail, if we could have our ideal, what would that be? And to see it as us. And then to take it a step further, not only do we taste that version of ourselves. So there's one practice in itself just to go there and to meet her and hang out with her for a while. But then also to bring that into the present moment, not in a way of longing or not enoughness in this moment, but rather from a perspective of how am I already like her and can start feeling that and experiencing that now. So one of my favorite and their tangible practice, one of my favorite things I've been doing recently is dancing every morning. I have a dance background <laughs> and I've been learning a lot about manifestation and diving more into that work recently. And it was just mentioned on the side on a podcast recently, manifest through dancing. And I was like, what a perfect thing for Marin to do. <laughs> and so what I have done is I've chosen one specific song that just gets me going in the morning and I just dance in in gratitude and just in this fullness of really everything that I want when I get, again, what we were talking about earlier, when I get to the core of things, right? So let's say I have a big financial goal for my company this year. 
Maybe I don't have those numbers in my bank account right now. However, do I have the expansiveness? Do I have the opportunities? Do I have the perspective? Do I have the vision of that and the taste of that and the feeling of abundance in this moment already? Yes. And so I'm grateful for that. And I lean into that. And that's how my future self shows up in this moment. I already am that I already have those things and can tap into the feeling that's, um, that is why those things are even in my vision in the first place. And so whether or not you're a dancer and you want to dance in your office every morning, like I do, like my neighbors look at me like, who is this chick who dances <laughs> morning in her office? That may not be your jam, but to find a way um, to bring in that gratitude and to bring in that connection of where you want to be and where you are and how we can actually narrow that gap by saying, again, going to the core of things. I have what I want in this moment in some way. And that doesn't mean that we're not also working toward the manifestation of that in a different way, in a different physical reality. Um, but there, likely there's a part of it that exists here and now. That is such a good point because I think oftentimes we forget that that it is not some complete, total transformation that happens to take you from where you are today to where you want to be. It's like, you're still the same person. You've changed in a lot of ways, grown in a lot of ways, maybe evolved or transformed in some pretty significant ways, but there are definitely still core traits of who you are that will carry with you to who you are going to be and who you will be. So I think tapping into that is such a smart way to kind of also help you really feel enough in who you are right now because it's way less intimidating when you kind of think of it like, no, like you're already that girl. You're going to grow. You're going to learn. You're still going to change in some ways, but hello, that's called life. Like I <laughs> sure hope we're all still growing. Otherwise life will be really boring for the next however many years we're on this planet. So that's such a cool perspective. And now I absolutely have to know what is the song that you dance to every morning? <laughs> oh, I don't even know the title of it. It's a, it's a mashup. Maybe I'll send it to you after this. <laughs> Please do, because you know I'm going to now <laughs> try to dance it out tomorrow morning. I'm like, this sounds like a really fun time, and now I'm into it. <laughs> it is so fun. And if you've heard the phrase vibrational match, um, uh -huh. Abraham Hicks talks about that a lot. I feel like this is it's the quick ticket to vibrational match every morning. Um, and another element I'll add in, too, is if we don't feel like like if we're not at that place where we can fully buy into, yeah, but I'm not my future self. And it just feels like there still is that gap. Um, it can be useful to also just say, what would my future self do? Like, what would I do 10 years from now? What would I do if I already had that? What would I do if, if this manifestation already was here and then live as if that were true, of course, within, within some bounds, but there's, we, we, don't give ourselves enough leeway to step into who we want to be in this moment. And we actually have so much control and potential to do that already. Ironically, I literally was just talking about this with someone yesterday. I kid you not. So this is like crazy timing, but I read this in a book on habits. It might be atomic habits. I couldn't even tell you exactly which habits book it was, but he was, just, the author was essentially talking about how one of the quickest ways to actually form a good new positive habit is to trick your mind into thinking that you already are that kind of person. So instead of having something going back to like the working out metaphor, you know, instead of having something on your to do list, oh, I have to work out training your brain to think I am the kind of person who does work out. I am. I'm a yogi, I'm a runner, I'm whatever. So instead of saying, I have to run, switching that one little thing to, I am a runner, all of a sudden your mind 
treats that differently. Even if you don't immediately believe it, your subconscious does. So that's a really powerful shift for people to make. I think you're absolutely right. There's like, we don't give ourselves, we don't give our brains enough credit for the power that, that it really holds sometimes. Identity psychology, that is a really powerful um, kind of hack, <laughs> hack in the system. And another element of that, again, to, to make that gap feel not as big and to make it actually believable. Because if, if for instance, I was, I had never run a day in my life. And then I tried to adopt the perspective of, I am a runner. I might resist that more than it being helpful for me. So what I tell my clients is to find the baby step approach. So maybe I don't believe that I'm a runner because I haven't done that, but maybe I can believe I take care of myself. I'm a person who takes care of myself, takes care of myself and start with that baby approach. And like you said, that, um, the power in that, our mind then takes care of the rest, really. <laughs> Absolutely. So once someone's head is in the right space, so to speak, how do you recommend best structuring the day ahead to kind of complement how you think and what your strengths are and the direction that you're now heading? Beautiful question. I run a time management techniques workshop um, that's very, very popular. And inside my membership program, we focused for an entire month on creating our ideal schedule. And just like everything that I lead and every, every perspective that I coach, it ultimately comes back to you and what works for you. And, and that said, there tends to be certain, um, themes, I would say there tends to be certain themes in, into how days can be structured best. So notice for yourself, and I call this a time inventory, take a time inventory, what's working, what's not, when do you feel like a task is giving you energy? When do you feel like it's draining energy? Likewise, your day structure as a whole, when do you feel like you have energy? When do you feel like you're losing energy and start to play around with those as different puzzle pieces to kind of input. So for me personally, I feel most creative in the beginning of the day. And so all of my creative tasks, whether that's, you know, creating content or filming videos or, um, anything that, that is really independent for the most part of me, I put those in the morning and I reserve that in the morning. I do not allow any appointments to be scheduled at that time. Um, I really, I really hold that as a safe, sacred space for me because that's when I most thrive for creative independent projects. And then I found personally that there was this dip in my day around three, and that isn't uncommon either. Um, a lot of us have that dip. And so instead of trying to fight through that part of the day, I actually pause and I take one to two hours off between three and five. And again, this is what works for me. Um, but for me, I was like, I need to, I want to get up and move during that day or do something that's not sitting at my desk because otherwise it just drags on and I get nothing done because I'm just procrastinating and I'm frustrated. And it's been maybe two years since I've adopted this. And it is the best thing I've ever done for my business and for my personal health, because it gets me up and moving. It gets a workout in that I really enjoy and value and not in a way that it feels like I have to, or I should, it's like, Oh, I get to go do this thing. I get to go leave my desk and, and try something on and I'm energized. And then I come back and what used to take me like three or four hours is now one to two hours because I have the energy again, rather than dragging it out or telling myself I have to. Um, and again, coming back to what I, how I started, 
this is different for everyone. So, um, some of my clients, they created a toy box schedule is what they ended up calling it. And so they had these certain sections of the day and they created a whole list of tasks during those certain parts of the day, um, as kind of toy boxes to choose from. And so maybe your, you know, a three to 5 PM slot isn't the movement slot. Maybe that's your connection slot or that's your creativity slot. Um, but finding out, what works for you. And again, having, there's kind of two ways to play with it. One is how you feel throughout the day, just generally. And one is how certain tasks make you feel. So if a draining, if a task is draining, maybe don't put that at the start of the day, maybe save that for the end of the day, um, which is, can be kind of scary to do, especially if for instance, emails are really draining um, to reserve that for the end of your day. But again, back to this mode of experimentation, be in the, be in the experiment and see what feels good for you. Oh, I'm so glad that you mentioned all of that because people don't talk about it enough. You hear people talk about whether you're a morning person or a night owl, but there are so many other elements within the day that can impact that. So I'm really glad that you brought, I have nothing else to add to that besides just snapping <laughs> and being like everyone un mentally underline everything that Marin just said, because it's, that's such a good practice to get into also to self-evaluate your own day, the structure of your day. And I love that you mentioned holding specific space as sacred on your schedule. And I want to ask about that too, in terms of maintaining boundaries, because obviously I think that's something easier said than done for people. Um, but since you are an expert on it, drop us your best tips on effective boundary setting, uh, maybe both in relationship with others, but also personal boundaries, especially as we do get into these practices of boundaries on a calendar where it's like, all right, even for myself, not doing any other task besides this category at this time or not allowing, you know, random interruptions from your phone notifications to derail the rest of your day. Drop us your tips. Yes. Boundary setting. I just did a survey and I highly recommend this to everyone who's listening. Um, it was part of a program I'm in, but I did a survey to my close family and friends about my strengths. So them sh sharing with me how they see me. And it was so eye opening and boundary setting <laughs> came up with almost everyone. They said, you are so good at setting boundaries almost to just as any strength has its shadow side, almost to a fault <laughs> because I can be very boundary. And so it's, it's also useful for me to incorporate play um, and a, a little bit more flexibility. Um, however, yes, I'm very good at providing tips for boundary setting because of that. So the first thing that comes to mind for boundary setting is again, to use our values as a base point, because I think sometimes we get so caught up in getting worried about, let's say for instance, this is something I see in, in my female members a lot is that we worry about other people. We want to either, either people please, or, but they're expecting an email from me, but it's kind to get back to them or it's respectful to answer in a timely manner. And again, not to label those as bad or wrong, but to see, okay, this is a value I have. I want to respect other people. And then dig even a layer deeper and say, if I want to respect other pe people, wouldn't it be true that I also want to respect myself? And how would I treat someone else if, if, if I was a separate person, right? So like, let's say, there's something that's interrupting my time. And my instinct is to let it interrupt my time because I want to respect that person. But can we turn it around and actually use that to our advantage and say, yeah, but I am also a person. Would I let, you know, would I find it respectful if, if my time was interrupted? No, I wouldn't. And so to find these little hacks of, again, using our values to our advantage and shining the spotlight back on us. And it can be a little bit, 
a lot to hold in our mind to, again, I've, I'm bringing up like these different caricatures or seeing ourselves as a different person. Um, but I think the, the main point of that is just to give some space and to see, take a step back and see what the big picture is and use our values, not only with other people, but with ourselves as well. And then there are systems that are really helpful to help take that, the mental energy out of it completely. So my phone and everyone's phone is capable of doing this. No notifications pop up between 8 PM and 8 AM no notifications will show. And so I don't have to worry about that sacred space in terms of sleep and rest being interrupted. Um, another hack is recurring calendar events. So I talked about my creative morning time. I have a recurring calendar event in, in my calendar where I have this blocked time in my calendar that's you know generally labeled. And that's how I know this time always is, is that. Um, and same with my appointment system for my clients that's automated. So they can't schedule <laughs> before this certain hour. Um, I will add into this though, because this has come up so much in my time management workshop is to also, while we're setting these boundaries, I think, especially if we tend to be perfectionists, which I definitely have empathy for, we feel, we can feel like we, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if we fail, or if we don't go according to our schedule, then we've we've messed up um, or, you know, broken something. And I think that's where coming back to listening to our voice, there's some nuance here. There's some leeway. So I don't always hold my calendar. In fact, I would say I never follow my calendar exactly. Some events take longer than others, or I'll add something in, but it feels good because I know why I'm adding these things in or letting it extend. I know why where I see the value in, you know, taking an extra hour with this client who I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm called right now. And one of my top priorities is this connection piece and this client and, and that feels good to me. But if it doesn't feel good, that's when the boundary can come back in and say, you know what, this doesn't feel good. Let's find a different way to, to make this value or to shine this value in a new light. I'm so glad you brought that up too, because I think there's a misconception sometimes that setting boundaries is bad because it makes us no longer the good friend or the good daughter or sister or whatever. Because if you once were the always accessible person, now we think, oh no, I have to set a boundary. That means that no one can reach me if they need to. And now that makes me, that makes me the bad guy and selfish and whatever. And now that can become a really conflicting thing for people <laughs> inside and understandably so. So I love that you mentioned, you know, you're still going to be using your gut and it's not going to be this perfect formula all of the time. That's a staunch line in the sand where nope, it can never, ne never change, never flex, whatever. It still gives you the grace and the space when you need to hold that for people or for yourself or for whoever to flex that boundary. If, and when the time is right, you just really have to trust your gut and be, I would say uh, a little bit strict and discerning yourself. If, if you're falling into more of the people, more of like the people pleasing, or if it's something where you're like, no, 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 this like genuinely needs to be flexed and I'm okay with it and it feels good and it feels, you know, how it should be. <laughs> right. And to your point into that example, which is a great one, is if the feeling is, no, I want to be a good friend, like people have, have liked me for this reason, ask yourself honestly, if you, for instance, um, negated one of the boundaries that you really wanted to set for yourself. So let's say you made an appointment with yourself at the gym because you have this, this goal for yourself to take care of yourself in that capacity. And a friend is kind of intervening and saying, well, let's go for coffee instead. 
that instinct is I want to be a good friend. They always expect me to say yes. I'm always down. But if you showed up to that coffee date, knowing that you'd prefer to be somewhere else, are you actually showing up as the good friend that you want to be? Likely there's going to be some resentment. There's going to be these mixed feelings. You're going to feel conflicted. You're not going to feel fully present. You're going to feel down on yourself the next day and therefore not show up as a good friend with someone else. So really think about the why. And again, going back to your base of values um, and, and see the bigger picture and say, how can I be a good friend and still stay committed to what I really genuinely want to do in this moment? Yes. I have had that hard conversation with girlfriends a few times. One immediately just popped into my head of someone who was in a wedding of another friend and really was not loving the experience. And then she, instead of talking to the friend about it, she would just come and talk to me about it. And I was like, um, here's the deal. I know you want to be a good friend to this person, but I think they would care more about the fact that you're now talking crap on them behind their back to me than they would if you just came to them and had an honest conversation about what you're not loving about this, the process that you're in. And it's like people forget, you get so hung up on, but I'm trying to be a good friend that you end up not really being a good friend in the process. So I think checking in with yourself like that is so important and would actually probably help keep you more in alignment with who you're trying to be in every sense of the word you know, as you go. Yes. Yeah. And those conversations are uncomfortable for sure, but it's also uncomfortable to do something that you don't genuinely, genuinely want to do. So choose your discomfort, um, and get support, get support when needed to practice those conversations. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of alignment in relationships, how can listeners practically assess really all of the relationships in their lives right now and determine which are maybe in alignment versus out of alignment And then once you kind of have done that, where do you go from there? What do you do with that information when you're like, all right, this relationship feels good and this relationship, eh, not so much. Oh yeah, that's, that hits home for me because one of, I mentioned the PhD master switch as one of my biggest, um, enactments of alignment in, in history. One of the first times I really stood up for my voice and my authentic desires. Another was a, was an intimate relationship. I chose to leave not because the person was bad, not because the relationship was even bad, but because I had the space and the honesty and the vulnerability to reflect that it wasn't best for me and therefore not best for either of us. Um, and it was really tough and is still really tough years later. And again, that's a part of the conversation that I don't think is often talked about is the grief process that happens when we align with what's best for us and pursue our dreams. Um, if we choose something new, we inevitably lose something else. And to create space and compassion that we're going to feel that grief um, and and still simultaneously hold the trust that it's worth it because we know that there's something else better for us or there's something else more aligned. Um, And another quote that really helps in that trusting process is what is best for me is also best for everyone else. Same with those examples that we just gave about showing up for our friends um, in, in a way that's truly genuinely authentic. When we don't show up in a way that's best for us, when we stay in something that's misaligned, whether we notice it or not, whether we think other people are noticing it or not, it comes across. Um, and so again, it's uncomfortable for sure and and can remain uncomfortable for maybe years um, choosing otherwise, um, choosing, choosing alignment, choosing what's best for you. And it's so worth it because then you're not in this place of friction and you're not in this place of um, 
you know, maybe the fallout of being in, for instance, a relationship that isn't aligned with your best self and therefore a whole array of things can happen um, and unintentionally hurt yourself and others in the process. And so I want to start with that in that this is a serious um, and can be a heavy place of reflection because when whenever alignment includes someone else, includes relationships, there's another human involved. So there's just more feelings and they're amplified. Um, with that, I think, I think our bodies are really, really useful, especially if it feels like there's so much mud and it feels like our, our minds are really scattered. Like, I don't know how, I don't know because there's so much emotion involved, um, really tune into your body. How does it feel when you're around this person? That gut feeling is a true feeling and more and more research is coming out about our gut intelligence. If you get this gut feeling that something is off, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is off. Maybe it's just one component or something that needs to be said or shared or that you want to express um, or shift slightly. But really listen to to your body. Does it tend do you tense up? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel expansive and excited? Or do you feel limited and confined? And another component, and this will be in my book in July, um, is to also allow some space, not only compassion in once you've made the decision, but compassion in that space between knowing and acting. And even if you know that a relationship is out of alignment um, or a different relationship is in alignment and you want to pursue something, but it feels kind of scary and giddy, it's okay to also take space and say, yeah, I know what's best for me and not yet. Like I really just need some time to sit and build the courage and gather a support system and know that I have a net to fall on on the other side. Um, take a breath, take a moment, and then make that action, make that aligned decision. Um, but it's okay to also be compassionate and giving yourself some space and you don't have to rush into those kind of things, especially when they involve other people. Such a good perspective in that waiting period between knowing and acting. And I also have not heard people really put it that way before. So Maren, you're on a roll here. <laughs> but like, it's so true because how many times do we, do we, know something in our gut and that doesn't mean you automatically pick up the phone and you're like all right I just had this revelation let's make some changes people like sometimes there is grace and space to sit and ponder and reflect some more and just mull it over <laughs> so yeah. I think that that's um really wise sage advice <laughs> yes yeah and not necessarily to keep ourselves in this space of a hamster wheel thinking because that can also get exhausting of like is it the right decision is it the right decision is it the right decision that can be more strenuous than it has to be um but rather to say okay i know in my gut i hear it i hear that that's the right call i need a little bit of time to until i act in alignment mm -hmm. and just and then set it aside take a breath um, be nice to yourself. <laughs> I think you uh, worded it that way though too. So nicely yes. where it's not this period of going back and forth in doubt, but rather just allowing yourself time to feel a little bit more ready for the conversation, not rushing into something that doesn't need or doesn't deserve or shouldn't be rushed. So I think you worded it so beautifully the first time where I didn't even think like, oh, are you wavering <laughs> back and forth or are you going back on it or you're unsure? Like, no, it's, you know, you know what you know, but it's just not diving headfirst into now acting on that. And just if you're not fully, you know, at that place <laughs> personally, where you're now ready to jump off the deep end with an action. Yes. Yes. Totally. All right, Maren, I got to ask you something that I ask everyone who comes on Thrive, and that is, what does Thrive mean to you, and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? 
Thriving for me is experiencing the fullness of life, which not only means the expansion and the joy and the elation and gratitude and those good giddy feelings, which are wonderful. It also means the deep heartache and the sorrow and the grief and the loss and the sadness and the empathy and all of it. It's, it's experiencing all of it and being open to all of it and seeing, finding maybe not even necessarily meaning in all of it, because maybe there are some things that we just can't understand or won't fully be able to comprehend um, in this life, in this state, um, but just being open to it and being able and vulnerable enough and courageous enough to show up for all of it, um, which also includes the compassion <laughs> and the and the opportunity to say, all right, that's enough for today. I'm going to take a step back and watch some Netflix. Um, that is also showing up fully. So for me, in summary, it's just showing up fully and and obviously in alignment with my authentic way of showing up. Ah, oh, so good and too true where you absolutely need both sides of the of the spectrum to appreciate the other. And yeah. people forget that too often. We're like, you, I don't actually know what that truly on top of the world feeling feels like if you don't also have the rock bottom feeling to kind of complement it on the other side. So what a beautiful perspective. <laughs> yes. And that's just life. Like we right. Can't like that's life. Hello. From the discomfort. So we right. may as well embrace it. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. So tell everyone where they can find you online, connect with you more and where they can stay tuned for the news of the release of your book in a couple of months. Yes. Oh, so exciting. So head to yesandbymarin.com. You'll find everything there. Um, that's Y-E-S-A-N-D-B-Y-M-A-R-I-N.com. And if you're just heading there for the first time, I encourage you to check out that strengths quiz that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, it's a free strengths quiz, nine question, really fun. And then also you'll find on there connection to all my other platforms. So mainly I hang out if you want the behind the scenes of business on Instagram, uh, check out my stories on there. And there's also some daily quick alignment tips that you can find on that. And I also release a YouTube video every Tuesday for free alignment trainings. So everything is housed on the website. Check that out first and then head to Instagram or YouTube if you want to dive more into more material. Awesome. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.